Welcome, listeners, to your final act of Hell Has a Prison by Red Nova Tyrant. Mates, this episode ends this series, and I really hope you enjoy the finale. This episode also marks off two milestones. One, that this is my 500th episode. Goodness, I never thought I'd be saying that. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun, right? And I've had nothing but happiness and joy producing this show. 500 episode mates, crikey. The second milestone is, this podcast on SoundCloud alone has reached over 1 million downloads, thanks to you. I have the best listeners and the best supporters, and I just wanted to say thank you from my heart. Thank you so, so much for listening. Now, before we start, I want to thank my awesome white tea warlords, Matthew J. Bauer, the Angel of Awesome, Maya, the Blessed of Wisdom, Divided by Zero, the Undying, I Own Cows, the Guardian of Cowship, and Lee Bauer, Angel of Divine Strength. Thank you all for your support. This show gets better and better because of you guys and gals, and not an episode goes by that I don't think about that. Thank you. And my old grain forces, Chad Warren, Just Heather, Lorraine Crisanto, Mace Joe, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffelli, Michelangelo Yacone, and Robert Fisher. Thank you so much. All of you make my day every day. Now turn the lights off and let's spread out our wings into this hellish universe together. After the pain ceased and some more exploring, I finally discovered a flicker of hope for my plans. While searching around one of the warehouses, I came across two guards talking to one another. Their conversation came to a close as a third man approached from down the hall, wearing more of a clean-cut uniform than a Kevlar suit. Good day, sir, the first guard said. The other nodded quietly in response. Good day, lads. Kimball, uh... I'm sorry, I don't think I caught yours. The quiet guard seemed to hesitate nervously for a second before answering. Howard, sir. Ethan Howard. Ah, yes. Well, are either of you on tomorrow's lift? The officers pulled out a small piece of glass, the size of a smartphone, and tapped it in a few places before putting it away. Just talking about it? We both are. Kimball responded. Well then, safe voyage, gentlemen. And if there's another rusky spy on it, I'm trusting you two to take care of it, eh? The higher-up tipped his hat before striding off. Kimball looked to his friend, who seemed scared to death with what was said. Hey, Ethan, there's no need to worry, Kimball himself said, shaking his fellow guard's shoulder. We're just transporting the fuel tanks, that's it. Usually the only explosions that have happened involve the shuttle itself when taking off. As long as no one is dicking around on the lift tomorrow, everything will be a piece of cake. Fuel tanks? It was almost too good to be true. An easy enough way to do the job. All I had to do now was to follow one of these two up the lift, 
and somehow corrupt him into destroying it before he gets tackled by the other guards. My gaze fell upon the quiet one. He was very evidently worried about tomorrow. If he was emotionally distressed, it could make it easier to manipulate him. Howard just nodded, then looked at his wristwatch. I'm off the clock. Gonna get some shut-eye. Alright, men. Sleep well. Tomorrow we become space marines. <laughs> Kimball laughed and fake-punched Howard, who smiled gingerly and waved as he walked off. I made sure to follow. Howard did not leave the base. Instead, he made his way over to the barracks for the guards. Inside his cramped little room for six, he sat alone, staring at the floor, shirtless. My lustful side grew anxious seeing him strip. But I stayed focused. It'll be alright tomorrow. His demon whispered, giving me a look ripe with rage. He must have suspected I was up to something. Howard just continued whispering to himself as the demon tried to coax him. I just watched and waited. Night came and Howard was already asleep by the time the stars were out. It was so weird, still seeing the top of the elevator disappear into nothing. His demon continued to stare at me from the bedpost it rested on, pretending to run its long sharp fingers through his hair while giving him sultry lullabies to sleep well by. I was watching the monster as well, eyeing the price beneath its feet. But his demon was going to try as hard as he could to not let me get near him, nor would he let Howard do anything stupid, at least anything that would hurt the tower. And I had no physical connection to the world either, so there was nothing I could do. Then I recalled the bar. When I bumped into a customer, no, not the customer. The Hellspawn must have noticed that I'd figured it out, because just before my own claws were wrapped around its throat, there was a look of shock and anxiety I'd never seen in one's eyes before. I dug the tip deep through the soft portion of its neck, slowly pushing through the muscles and tissues, until I felt a hard tube in my hand. With a few yanks, I squeezed out my hand through its larynx and pulled the organ from its body, ripping and tearing through the remaining skin to get it out. And at first, the demon scratched and clawed at me, but soon it could only gasp and croak as it fell to the floor. It still struggled and flailed about like all the others, for the undead cannot die again. I didn't stand over the creature and take amusement in its suffering. Instead, I continued with my plan and approached Howard. Now I had dictionaries of honeyed words prepared to turn men on, but to make one commit mass murder? That was a different story. I tried whispering in his ear, but got no response. Then he rolled over, and the demon behind me began to freak out more. My curiosity was greatly piqued by the sight of a strange hole in Howard's back. Shaped almost like my own nether regions, disgustingly enough. It wasn't actually right on the skin, but rather hovered around the center of his spine, like a portal. Hesitantly, I moved my hand toward the hole and stopped when it began to open wider. Inside, I saw a blue essence shimmering and reached forward to touch it. We made contact. My hand did not pass through the entity. Grabbing the energy... I tried to pull on it, and slowly, with much straining, it began to come out of the body. So I decided to keep pulling. It began to get larger, spreading along the limbs, before popping out in a surprising and swift motion, 
It was Howard, or his soul, rather, eyes closed drifting through the room in slumber, before slowly going up, up through the ceiling. I turned to the body. It had gone limp. My surprise turned to dread when I realized what I'd done. I'd just killed him. And created a perfectly good skin suit. The dark side of my soul started to invade my mind again, and as much as I hated it, my inner demon was right. My spirit felt compelled to enter the vessel. This was probably going to be the easiest way for me to take care of the job. Besides, I was going to be killing way more people later. Now wasn't the time to get upset over one guard. Breathing in, and out. I reached inside the corpse with my left hand. The inside was hollow, and my arm traveled up like I was putting on a jacket. Then the other sleeve, followed by my head, body, and legs. All of them slipped inside smoothly. At that moment, everything clicked into place. I was gasping for air. I coughed into the pillow profusely and sank into the bed. The weight of having a body returned, and I had to grow used to the extra effort required to move. Closing Howard's, my eyes, I let myself fall into slumber for the first time in years. The alarm next to Howard's bed going off awoke me many hours later, forcing me from my rest. I found myself sweating rather heavily. I didn't have any night terrors or such, and the air was still quite cold, so I assumed that Howard had been feeling under the weather before I took over. Stepping into the washroom to take a cold shower to cool down, I saw it in the mirror, the peeling skin on my cheek. I touched it and recoiled in pain. It felt as though it was sunburned. A bit of worry began to broil in my belly. Howard didn't have any sunburns yesterday when I saw him talking to the other guard. Hmm. It felt strange, undressing as a man, and even weirder feeling the shaft between my legs. Still, I stepped into the shower and began to wash up. It was no good, as the cold water made me realize the heat was coming from within. From me. The body was overheating because of me and I could only wonder how long I had until something bad happened to it. But the day was the day. This was the day I would do my job and earn my permanent freedom. Howard! Hurry up! I whipped my head around seeing Kimball standing in the doorway at the washroom. We have to be at the gate in 15. Get dried and dressed. Then move your ass. Uh, on it, I answered. I should have expected the deeper voice of Ethan Howard, but it was still weird to experience. Hurrying out of the water, I did as Kimball said and ran outside, where he was waiting to jog with me to the elevator. The sun was just above the edge of the horizon, but not quite hiding behind it yet. You feeling alright, man? You looked bad yesterday, but damn. I was distracted by his demon glaring me down. Huh? Oh yeah, I'm fine. Just a little cold is all. Kimball's demon just kept watching me, then whispered to him, He's not looking too great. Keep an eye on him. The creature then turned to me, his hand just so slightly stuck inside the crack of Kimball's back. Damn, you got devoured overnight, huh? What a shame. I almost breathed out in relief. 
The demon didn't know about the possession. He just thought that Howard's soul had devoured his body. This was going to be much better than I had thought it would. And if I'd kept the act up, then I'd be successful in my mission. As we were approaching the bridge, another guard stopped us. Names and badges, gentlemen, she demanded. Kimball reached for his and handed it off. While I quickly fumbled around the body armor for mine, I could feel my heart racing unnaturally fast, and it wasn't just from the nervousness about being caught. The guard gave me a look. You okay, buddy? I froze up. I needed an excuse. Now. Oh, uh, yeah, just nervous about the trip up. After the other day and everything. Kimball stepped in to speak for me. It's his first time up here as well, you know. Just anxious for nothing. Ah, I see. The guard smiled at me before returning my badge and gesturing to my forehead. Explains the sweat. Well, just follow the procedure and everything will be fine. I nodded to the guard and thanked Kimball, but deep down, I could see that his demon was beginning to get through to him. I caught a glimpse of distrust in his eyes before he turned around and stepped onto the bridge. Try as I might, it was getting harder to act natural. The heat had grown exorbitantly, and patches along my arms had grown increasingly itchy. I scratched myself roughly while walking along the bridge, my free hand resting on my holster. Besides Kimball and myself, there were about ten other guards in the elevator. They had upped the numbers without me noticing. But I was getting more and more anxious by the minute on both fronts. As the doors locked me in with the minimal replacement crew and large number of guards, I attempted to stay calm as every single demon was watching me. The lift began to rise and now there was no turning back. I swallowed, a poor attempt to soothe my parched throat as I watched the sky pass between the cracks of metal rising constantly. Gazing around, each hellspawn still had an eye on me. It was nerve-wracking, trying to analyze the situation while not appearing to be looking straight at the monsters. You alright, Howard? My head whipped back forward to find Kimball, giving me a look. I doubted his own human intentions were sinister, but I was still concerned about the rifle slung over his torso, hand on the grip. Yeah, I'm alright. Are you sure that this thing is safe? I whispered to him. Maybe the best move was to act nervous for a different reason. I mean, they're still building onto it. Those are just extra supports. Uncle Sam wants to be number one, so they don't mind us going up and starting the rocket race while they fix the ladder we're standing on. He shifted in his gear, head cocked and looking down on me. You should know that, Ethan. I went too far. My eyes raced around the room once again. The demons were murmuring to one another, pointing towards me and glaring with increasingly angry stares. I glanced to my right where the load stood. There was no tarp covering it this time, and I could see the two tanks very clearly sitting side by side. I reached up to scratch my face, but pulling back a part of the hood I felt a familiar texture, a crumbly crusty texture that left a streak of black across my grey glove. My gaze shot upwards again. Kimball's other hand was resting on his rifle. My hand stayed dead still on the side of my pistol holster. Telex, what are you doing? Kimball's demon demanded, staring me down. Telex, what are you talking about, Fudden? Another guard's demon stated. He got devoured last night by this one. 
He was just operating this one here yesterday, and now he's acting all crazy. The other demon whispered quickly in his guard's ear before pointing at me. Did you even consider a possession? There were reports of a cambion walking around the facility. A pu- Faran looked at the demon, then slowly returned his line of sight to meet mine. So, it's you. I knew I wouldn't be able to make the shot from here. I rushed forward and tackled Kimball, who fought back furiously. But though I was on top to start, he quickly pushed back against my weakened form. I could feel the charcoal on my forearms, crunching and breaking apart under the pressure of Kimball's strength. There was only one option, one way to take control of the fight and keep myself from being shot in the back in a few seconds. My pistol was out of its holster in a second, the barrel pressed to Kimball's head. He immediately ceased resistance and sat still, a scowl written across his face. I pulled him to his feet and hid behind him, starting backwards towards the load. Stay back, all of you! I screamed, my voice becoming hoarse. I'll fucking do it, so no one move! The guards followed, rifles aimed towards me. A slight smirk crossed my face in the heat of the moment. Unless they were all perfect shots, they might do my work for me. Keep him back. Foran screamed at the other demons, who were whispering rapidly into their human ears. Don't let them fire. They might hit the fuel tanks. It's what she wants. So what are we supposed to do? One demon responded over the shouting of the humans. Foran growled, then looked back at me. Take your humans over. My heart skipped a beat before starting to go faster than ever. Are you insane? Another protested. That many possessions on their doorstop? Are you crazy? They'll come swarming like hornets to find out who's killing his children. It's better than just letting her destroy the tower. Furin screamed, giving me a quick look. Ugh, enough of this. You lot can play pansies, but I'm taking care of this. In one swift movement, Furin shouted a fierce battle cry as he plunged his arm deep into Kimball's back and ripped the man's soul out. As a confused ethereal Kimball drifted upwards, his body collapsed into my grip, the weight throwing me off and near knocking me over. But as I replanted my feet and pushed him back up, the body whipped around with a brutal hook punch. I felt the char of my neck crumble from the blow and I landed on my side. I struggled to fight out of Furin's grasp as he grappled my suit, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw the confused guard troop beginning to fall to the floor, only for their blue essence to fly towards the heavens. Their ghastly howls filled the air as their corpses rose from the ground, most already beginning to burn up and blacken. I looked back at Furin, who hadn't thrown a punch since, his head was lowered to his chest and shaking as though he were fighting back against something. In a flash, his face met mine, and fire exploded from his eyes and mouth. Running out of time, he whispered in a gravelly voice, slowly dragging me over towards the others. The rest of the possessed were burning as well, some completely combusting on the spot and falling to the metal floor. A loud bang sounded, and I felt a bit of force push against me from my other side, and turning that way, I saw the bloody remains of an exploded corpse some pieces of fabric still burning. I could feel holes puncturing my limbs as the possessed with more control began firing at me and Furin. Furin was still dragging me towards the railing on the edge of the lift, limping along the way. 
I swung and flailed against his grip, but my own body was failing me as well. My back slammed against the wall, and Foran took a moment to breathe. I looked around to see the other zombie-like bodies moving towards me to help. There was no time left. Losing here meant my mission would be for naught. The demons would never let me near the tower again, and I doubted there'd be any other transports as easy to destroy as this. The burning sensation subsided just long enough for feeling to return to my fingers. The pistol was still in my hand. Smacking it around did nothing. Furin hoisted me up to my feet, getting ready to push me over the platform's edge. Grabbing the hand that held me by rigor mortis, I pushed the barrel of the gun against his wrist and fired over and over again. The flesh oozed and popped as the arms separated, and I fell forward as Furin howled in agony. I forced myself to my feet through the waning energy and blazing heat from within my body and aimed for the load. As though the entire universe were against this day, there was another explosion, but it was not another corpse. The lift jerked to a stop, and we were all knocked into the air. I could feel the rushing of wind through the elevator shaft, and when I finally hit the floor by the load, I caught a glimpse of what had caused the blast. My blood ran cold. There, floating outside of the tower, was a massive armored man. In his hand, he wielded a great halberd, and his form shimmered in a golden flame. His armor was similar to that I saw in the depths, but where theirs were ruined and ancient, this one appeared as though it were fashioned not seconds ago. Clean and free of blemish, his great white wings spread out and flapped slowly, maintaining his position in the air and pushing warm winds into the elevator shaft. He even spoke the same tongue as the rest, but the one thing that stood out was the face. Where the others were unholy smoke and nothing more, this one wore a golden mask to hide the wisps that snuck their way out from time to time. The face of the mask was simplistic and one of indifference, neither joy or woe, but one of a neutral position, a mask of an observer. Shit, it's here! One demon screamed, raising his rifle with sloppy demeanor and spraying the angel down with bullets galore. Others joined in, trying to kill the invincible being. He entered disgruntled and with one swift cleave, he struck down six of the guards, their bodies bursting to flame and forcing the demons out. They rocked and moaned on the floor, cradling their bleeding chest cavities as the angel approached them one by one, pushing the tip of his weapon through their skulls. Their moans turned to unending gurgles, with bits of brain matter and skull alike spilling out of their mouths and ears. I tried to push myself up yet again, but by now, whatever skin or muscle was left on my arms was minimal. As rods of bone were scraping clean between pieces of bleeding meat, my pistol was gone, but I could see the rifle Kimball had dropped nearby. Pushing my body across the floor with my feet, I looked back and forth between the gun and the angel, hoping it wouldn't spot me. My heart was beating impossibly fast, like a bomb building up to explode. I collapsed on top of the rifle, my body barely able to breathe now. The angel was running out of targets, so... so I had to act fast. I painfully slapped one hand onto the rifle's frame, then positioned it in my hand and aimed in the position of the load above me. Then I just pulled the trigger. 
though most of the shots missed, a good number pierced both of the tanks, but my relief turned to panic as nothing happened. I could see the liquid leaking out, but there was no reaction as they pulled together. Taking a deep breath, my lungs felt a bit refreshed, and I found the energy to put myself up against one of the tanks. My eyes were throbbing, like they were about to explode out of my head, and had I not already been undead, I likely would have blacked out from heatstroke well before this point. I met the angel's gaze. He spun the helmet around, clearing it of blood, and advanced on me. There was only one option. Based on seeing the other demon's endings, I climbed up the tank, struggling to get footing on its curved surface. A sudden pain struck my ankle, and I screamed as I fell back to the floor, my foot missing and one tank's contents flowing onto me. I opened my eyes to see the tip of the lance, and I rolled to the side just before it struck the ground. I pushed myself back, but was caught up against the wall. My breathing became irregular, and my heartbeat matched it. I could feel my whole body vibrating, and I began to shake. The heat was like fire once again, being burned to a literal crisp. As the angel readied for its final strike, I surrendered to my collapsing form and closed my eyes, both tanks' liquids pooling beneath me. The explosion destroyed my eardrums, and nearly blinded me as well. With the heat of my body's mini-explosion and the combined liquids beneath me, there was enough to ignite the two tanks. Between that and the collapse, there was nothing. All I recall was a brilliant white light, and the next thing I knew, I was a spirit again. Falling through the sky, metal upon the earth in a downpour, and the upper half of the elevator tipped over to join its lower part in smashing onto the ground. Shrapnel flew through my body endlessly, yet none of it harmed me. The only pain I felt now came from being forced out of Howard's body and the large wound in my side from where the angel has missed its mark. I never knew ghosts could bleed. The rushing wind in my face carried up the distant screams of all those below. Hundreds of people in the base howling as the end of the world fell upon them, and the second explosion occurred within the facility. Soon after, the screams ended, and I was left alone with the wind once more. I couldn't spot the angel anywhere in the falling debris, and wondered if he had either returned to heaven, or had fallen to the earth below. I don't know what happened after that thought until I was on the ground. My memory was shattered and missing in different places. Some pieces would say I hit the ground violently, Others show me walking amongst the destruction of the facility. The timeline became consistent again when I was watching the sky. The moon was out, but the sky was still orange on the horizon even though the sun was long gone. I sat up from the pool of water I was in, my mind flickering back to the forest, and then the harbour. I shook my spinning head and looked around. There were no discernible buildings left. The tower had fallen onto the main complex, crushing it. Pipes and lengths of steel stuck up from the ground everywhere. And where there wasn't metal, there was either dirt or bodies. Arm and guts flung over fallen power lines. Squished torsos resting eternally underneath concrete slabs. Puddles of blood diluted by the water that was there first. And then there were the souls. Across the whole area, countless souls began to fade into view. Most were darker and harder to recognize, and they flailed helplessly as some invisible force sucked their naked bodies down into the ground. Their muffled pleas still wormed their way through the soil, 
until they were too far down for anyone to hear. But then there were the others. For the souls that didn't travel down to hell, they appear just as foggy and hard to distinguish as the others. But where the sinful seemed to have a translucent shadow cloaked over them, these nude ones had a white flame spawn from their chest. As they began to float upwards, the flame spread, covering their spirit in seconds. They screamed just as loud as those who travel down, being burned by the cleansing fire of God. The pure flames ascended into the night sky, and looking up with eyes straining to hold back tears, I saw the sky open. A golden crack unfurled over the moon, and I watched with sorrowful envy as the flaming souls were taken into the pearly realm I saw before. The armored angels were there waiting, taking the righteous into their arms and coaxing them with their wings. My shaky hand extended towards them, the rays of light shining between my outstretched fingers. Take me with you, I whispered, finally unlocking the restraints of my heart. Now that my mission was done, I could do that. It was easier to call it my mission, instead of saying what I was really doing. Distancing myself from the truth made it easier to pretend that what I was doing wasn't horrible, that it was okay to kill hundreds of people for the sake of humanity. But now with it over, the guilt swept over me. Seeing the destruction I'd brought on these innocent people, watching them join either the ranks of hell or the choirs of heaven, the responsibility of my actions finally set in, and I could finally admit the truth. My truth. I wanted to ascend into the heavens. I deserved to. Everything I did was for other people. I fucked total strangers to help Kelsey. I had suffered in that prison for years. I had blown up a tower and killed hundreds to save billions. Tears streamed down my cheeks for the first time in many years since I was first put in Napoleon. I continued whispering my desires, hoping someone up there would hear me and take me with them. And as I emptied the pain in my heart out onto the bloody dirt of the earth, I felt my feet began to sink. I looked down, seeing my legs being swallowed by the earth, and I panicked to push myself back up. I wasn't ready to go back. I didn't want to. But it was not my choice to make. As the world devoured me, I recalled Laurentel's final words before falling through the fire once more, frightened of the doom that awaited me. The screams of angels echoed through the cavernous realm. Startled by the noise, I awoke. I was lying on my stomach, now back to my monstrous physical form. The hole in my side was still there, and I wrapped an arm over my stomach to put pressure on the agonizing wound. Slowly, I got myself to my knees, and the first sight I had was one of unbridled violence amidst the fire and chaos of Lucifer's retaliation. Two demons were dangling in the air, blades coming out of their mouths, and blood pouring like wine along the sides of the metal. When they were flung away, I saw the steel retract into those familiar gauntlets, Rakeel's. As he turned, he let out a brutal screech. It was like the howl of many wolves, but each with a different and distinct pitch like the thousand voices these angels whispered in. And as Rakil shouted in glory, I saw wings of blackened light form on his back, shining just for a moment to form the shape of feathers that surely once lived there. So, you return to us. His voice rattled through my brain, returning my memories of the dark. I, I did it. I answered, 
I did my part. That you did. You stopped Mephisto from moving with my army. And for that, I congratulate you, child Hela. But... The but sends nervous chills across my body. I looked around anxiously, waiting for Lucifer to finish his statement. There were cambions chomping and slicing demons in half all around me, angels obliterating any that remained, and a great black hand slamming down onto the layer of hell I rested on. The other hand followed with a fist, but it did not strike the area. Instead, I could make out an enlarged Mephisto trapped in its grasp. He seemed incredibly fearful of whatever this monstrosity was, and I completely understood the fear. You failed to heed the words of my sister, Laurentiel. And regardless of your being a cambion or demon, success or failure, you both alerted the angels of your interference and failed to purge your heart of regret. No, please! I kept it contained as long as I... And worst of all, you prayed. To join him. The realization of how bad my actions were set in. I was completely screwed. There's no way in hell, literally, that the devil would forgive worship to his immortal enemy. I... I'm sorry. I pleaded, my hands clasped towards the massive pair of hands. Tears escaped my eyes again in fright as I could see the horns and head begin to rise followed by the hollowed-out mask. Its burnt-out eyes bore into mine, and I felt exposed before the king of the underworld. Marquise, if you'd be so kind. I turned around and found the fallen angel standing, hovering, above me, with his brother, Raquel, by his side. You know where to put her, Lucifer ordered and my stomach did flip-flops. Yes, highest brother. Marquis answered. He raised his banded arm, preparing to hit me. I tried to plead for mercy, but the words would not leave my lips. Only squeaks and moans exited before the arm came crashing down. The dials spinning rapidly, and as the punch connected, I felt like I was thrown across the ocean of emptiness. Everything turned into a passing blur of brown and grey, but it quickly grew darker, and within a second, I was back in the dark. He had put me back in my cell. I screamed and thrashed about, but the room counteracted my movements, sending me tumbling up and down side to side, trying to break every bone in my body. The shadows returned as well, clawing and poking at my wounds to make the pain last as long as they could. And through all of the torture I thought was behind me, his voice laughed in my mind. Still, a deal is a deal. You will have a place in my army when I march upon the pearly gates. Whether that be a grunt or a commander, only time will tell. For now, I can't have cambions as dangerous as you, wandering around. Disrupting the organization of my forces. So, just enjoy yourself in Apollyon, and I'll come collect you when the time comes. You can count on that. 
I cursed the name of Lucifer. I cursed the name of God. Neither could be trusted. Neither was forgiving. Both only meant to torment. No matter why I did those actions. This time, the only feeling left was rage towards my oppressors. And even though my mind became a blank void, and my body was that of a ragdoll in the wind, deep down my furnace still burned with an intense hatred. Ages passed. My hatred changed, mutating into a violent desire to join those beautiful souls in heaven. Jealousy would overwhelm my soul as the image of the crack in the sky and the welcoming angels that awaited those blessed people became my strongest memory. It only became stronger as I remember that one day I would be free from Apollyon to join Lucifer's forces in the invasion of that holy world. Until then, I took the beating, waiting in the darkness for that day. There was a reason my brain took this trip down memory lane. Today the door to my cell was opened. I've been informed that time out on parole. Now that the Russians have finished their tower, so across the great void I'll travel to the mainland of hell where millions of rehabilitated demons and torched humans await in formation. Lucifer decided to be generous and give me a position of command. I can see the hole in the sky from here where the black steel beams are melted and curved to hug the wall of the cavern. The day of its retribution is nigh. I look forward to finally being able to charge those pearly gates and walk the realm I've coveted for so long. The world I deserve to live in. Wow, just wow. Hella has certainly grown as a character, spreading her proverbial wings in hell to only return back to Earth and save humanity. Her story is really quite unique, cursed by both heaven and hell to never obtain what she really wants, so it seems, having to take it by force. I'll be paying close attention to this author, and if they release any other sequels or tales similar in quality, You'll be the first to hear about it. Unique characters, well-developed motives, strong plots, and a lot of action. In fact, I haven't had this much fun on a series-based horror fiction in a while. They just don't include a lot of action. Near none, in fact. It's a misconception that horror must always be slow-paced and suspense-focused. Action in horror can be a powerful way to convey the fragility and vulnerability of characters whilst also planting your character firmly in the real world, with real world consequences. At no point did I think our main character, Hella, was covered by plot armor. Lucky? Yeah. But invincible? Never. And that's a key point when writing characters in a real world setting. Make them feel like they are there with actual challenges and realistic obstacles to climb over. Otherwise, you can run into tropes and cliches that everyone has covered. Lessons can really be learned in this story. Thank you so much for listening, my lovelies. Have an awesome weekend. More surprises next week, and as always, till next we meet.